Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, whether you're catching the show live or in archive, uh, again, welcome everybody. My name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant and astrologer. Uh, I work with all kinds of different oracles, uh, runestones, tarot cards, numerology, lots of different things. Um, I have a home office here in Phoenix, and I do sessions by phone and Skype across the country. Uh, all that good info you can find at jimventure.com if you're interested in anything like that. Uh, I also teach classes. Check out the class options that I have that can be done uh, by phone or uh, Facebook also. Uh, of course, I'm a columnist, and uh, that's what today's show is going to be. We're going to do um, a live column read from my January-February column. Uh, it had been uh, a little bit since I have written a new column, uh, and uh, this is definitely a new column. Uh, it was uh, a long time coming in terms of cooking for a very, very long time uh, because it dealt with a very, very sensitive subject that we are going to talk about today that probably for the most part does kind of influence everybody um, at, at some point or another. So um, uh, it took a little while for this one to get written, and um, I, I am proud of it. Uh, it was uh, it was a, uh, also a positive tribute while taking a realistic approach to some of the uh, wounds that were inherent within uh, the, the situation as well, too. So I think a lot of you... Uh, may be able to identify with this in one form or another. And uh, so what we're going to do today is I'm going to do a live column read. In case you hadn't caught the column, uh, you'll be able to hear it uh, again. And then there's a little bit more discussion that went out in my newsletter about Soul Age that I would also like to touch upon today that I think will be pretty valuable for a lot of my listeners in terms of understanding. Um, so, you know, just by the way, I, I send uh, every other month, I send out a column uh, through my email list. If you're not already getting the newsletter, um, email me at uh, venturasag at yahoo.com. You can ask to be requested to be added to the newsletter. Uh, it's every other month and it's blind copied, so you won't get sales stuff or no longer get your email address from me. Uh, also include your birthday if you do, because I do a birthday promotion uh, that a lot of people like to take advantage of. Um, uh, once a year for your birthday, too, so there's another sort of perk added in that. So, uh, anyway, this column went out uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was a little behind the holidays and a million other things got me a little thrown <laughs> at one level. I'm not sure everybody can kind of understand that. Um, and uh, But we did, uh, I did get this column written. And uh, so the, this is uh, actually my 117th snake oil column, um, and uh, it's called Losing Mom. I remember when I was in the fourth grade, something significant occurred for the first time in my life. I dutifully sat in class with my fellow students, all dressed in the same uniform, in my elementary Catholic school. Each of us were uncomfortable with the lack of ability to express our individuality through clothing choices, yet oddly comfortable at the same time because we didn't have to make any actual choices. The principal of the school, the cartoon cliche version of a cold, disciplined nun, sent for one of our fellow students and interrupted class one day. The young girl looked terrified like any of us would when being called to the office. 
But it wasn't a look of fear that she had done something bad. It was a panic fear. I'd never seen before as she scurried out. Our teacher quickly suppressed a nervous chatter among the students as theories about why Catherine was being pulled out of class began to spread. A few days later, I saw Catherine profusely weeping as she gathered her belongings and left school to attend her mother's funeral. This was one of the first times the death of a parent as a reality had come so close to me for contemplation. I felt for the poor girl, while at the same time it made me grateful that it wasn't my mother. I never found out what ended Catherine's mom's life, but as I got older and began to interact with many different people, my world expanded. I ran across people who had also lost a mother or father, even both. I didn't actually fear losing my mother. She was tough as nails and often as cold. She was a strong German woman, rigidly religious, Republican, and definitely had many of the best and worst aspects of an Aries. It would be no easy task for the universe to take my mother away, and she ultimately ended up outliving all of her siblings and parents and made it to a little over 86 years of age when she left this world this past summer. My dad passed 11 years ago and was married to my mother for 57 years before he left this world. He was a very different from my mother, and so was his death. He was friendly, generous, chatty, self-deprecating, and lovable. He died quickly when he fell asleep and had a heart attack. My mother was always strong, and even when dad passed, uh, stayed that way. Her mental and physical health began to slide, though, about two years ago. She stayed in her home in North Carolina obstinately, even when the residents were told to evacuate Myrtle Beach area, because of a massive hurricane coming her way. Her house and she survived that storm, but she fell and had a stroke when she slipped in her kitchen. She did thankfully recover, but began to decline rapidly, both mentally and physically. I saw when that storm came that there was a possibility mom would pass with the collapse of her roof or some other catastrophic event fighting the elements. There was a probability where she would leave this world fighting to protect her home and the little overprotective and kind of vicious rescue dog she so dearly loved in true heroic Aries style. In my old soul understanding, by seeing a larger picture, it might have been far better had she exited this way. Because things did not get better after the storm. I have two sisters and, and a brother that live in the same state as mom. They thankfully stepped up in so many ways to handle mom's demise, and my other siblings and I were truly grateful for their sacrifice. The ups and downs, mostly downs, of my mother's two-year decline were difficult. The first having to get her an in-home nurse so she could stay comfortably in her home. This was expensive, really expensive. And after seven months came to an end, mainly because nurses kept quitting over how difficult our mother was. I won't elaborate, but I don't blame the nurses. Mom had a mean side. Then the ordeal of getting her into a nursing home followed. My sister and the executor of Dad's will, after months of struggle, 
found a really nice and also extremely expensive place, which my mother referred to as that rat hole where my daughters dumped me. <laughs> In the early part of 2019, her mental breakdown equaled her physical limitations. She couldn't even get out of bed for the most part. And severe dementia began to set in. The last time I spoke to my mother was in early 2019 by phone. I cried a little when I put down the phone, knowing it was the last time I would ever speak to her again in this life. My awareness of her impending death, both practically and intuitively, was telling me that she would be leaving this world very soon. The nursing, the nursing staff suggested we call less because it would be damaging to her. Fortunately, my oldest brother, who lives 20 minutes away, visited her often just to sit by the bed while she complained during her few conscious and lucid moments. There were a number of conflicting emotions during the months after mom passed that I needed to process. Relief, sadness, frustration, and love. My mother was often emotionally cold, and she left some huge scars on me and my me and my siblings. We often questioned whether we were loved by her. My mother followed her religion and her politics with strict, unquestioning devotion. She dutifully followed the rules and values of her parents, and what she was taught was right, which is typical behavior for baby souls. Side note here, I'm going to talk about the baby soul, meaning um, in a little bit. Um, I think part of mom's dementia and her body's breakdown, in addition to being a physical reality in this world, of course, was a resistance to the death process itself and her fears that she that were never resolved. Well, mom dutifully believed in heaven and hell, she was taught to never question or doubt the rules. Like all human beings, we at times doubt and question. Further damage can be inflicted when we are taught that this process is sinful or wrong. One of the many instances that illustrated this, I remember my mother proclaiming often that she hated Paul Simon, the musician, by the way, of Simon and Garfunkel. As a kid, every time he came on the radio, especially when the song 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover played, she would quickly change the station. Even at the age of 11, my old soul awareness was peeking through. And I thought she hates this song because she actually does think about leaving at times. Jeez, who wouldn't? Giving birth and taking care of seven children, a ton of responsibilities, and her beauty rapidly fading. Mom was quite beautiful in her youth, a blonde hair, a full figure, and blue German eyes. Would take its toll on anyone. She did what she was supposed to do. Have kids, be faithful to her mate, go to church, etc. We all question and maybe even regret the choices we make or don't make at times. The Catholicism teaches that even if you think a sinful thought, you have committed a sin. Who can realistically handle all that pressure? Mom did a few questionable things, the ones I know about, along the way. My guess is that she wondered fearfully if maybe heaven wasn't definitively her destination. I've been feeding seven feral cats that live in my condo complex for about a decade now. The mother of the six kittens that are all now grown up and around 10 years old 
would often run out to greet me when I pulled up my car into my covered parking spot. She only hung out with one of her kids in the back of her complex. She was a good, caring mother and appropriately devoted when her children were kittens. But as soon as they became adults, she had little use for them. She would even swipe at them if they came near her. Like one or two of the feral cats, she wouldn't let me even touch her, but she would always show her appreciation for the food and attention I gave her. She would roll around in the gravel and purr when she saw me, come running to me. She was mostly bitchy to everyone, but not so much to me. I love that beautiful cat. And a few weeks before my mother passed and the mama cat, having reached the age of probably 11 or 12, which is a long life statistically for outside ferals, uh, was nowhere to be found. I sadly suspected she'd pass back into the spirit world. As soon as this happened, I definitely knew my mom would pass. She was this cat. The potential ordeal of a dying parent or parents will be an issue for all of us at some time in our lives. It is rarely an easy process. In the last few months, my anger, hurt, and feelings that mom didn't love me or my siblings began to fade. I realized she did not, she, I realized she did really love us in her own way. She just had a difficult time showing it. The sadness over the loss began to fade, too. I remembered good stories from my childhood. In elementary school, I would ride my bike home for lunch, and Mom would make me macaroni and cheese. I thought about where we lived in a comfortable home with great music often playing. How Mom and Dad would pack all seven of us into the Delta 88 every summer for our summer vacation, no matter what. I remembered a time when Mom followed a recipe out of Good Housekeeping magazine to make homemade clay. My sisters and brothers made all kinds of fun sculptures that day. We always had a hot meal at dinner and all sat around the table dutifully and often got together in other ways as a family. My childhood may not have been perfect and it had a share of limitations and hurts, but it kind of was a good one. The primary elements of Mom's love may have been questionable, but Mom and Dad's creation of the family that we were part of had us firmly rooted in the same house and neighborhood for our entire childhoods. I had lots of friends, security, dogs, in many ways what others might have been seen as a dream childhood. In spite of Mom's fear of what would come next, I know that Mom transitioned to the other world and was met by her dad, her parents, her siblings, and most importantly, by the many dogs that she so dearly loved in this lifetime. I hope my mother is at peace now. I know I am. She deserves credit for many things, and I appreciate her, and I will truly miss her. Okay, so that was my uh, losing mom column. Um, if any of you followed me for a number of years, you know that about 10 or 11 years, I also wrote a column about the loss of my father when he had passed. A very different type of experience, by the way. You, you can catch up on some of those things in the archives. Um, and I think it's in my first uh, copy of Snake Oil Volume 1, uh, my, my second book, um, as well. Um, Anyway, so that's um, that, that's what I wrote about my mother. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the baby soul concept a bit because I think that's significant to understanding my mother in this case. 
But um, you know, before I get to that, uh, were um, a lot of uh, you know conflicting emotions and feelings that that stemmed from it. Uh, I remember one mom, you know, last summer, early part of the summer, people were like, "You're going to go see your mom," you know, you know, she's getting ready to pass. You know, and I, you know, it would have been a very costly endeavor to fly to North Carolina uh, to sit next to my mom, who was, you know, minimally cognizant and ready in the beginning stages of dementia. And again, thankfully, as I said, the piece my brother was there to do that. I had thought about it. Um, I remember when I was a kid, when my grandmother was in a very similar situation as my mother, my mother's mother, and uh, I just remember sitting by the bed of my grandmother holding my hand tightly my German grandmother. And um, I know that meant something to her. So I, I had kind of thought of that. But, you know, it was a you know, it was a little bit of a tight summer financially. And again, um, there were a lot of obstacles to that. So I was not able to do that. Um, it's just a bummer, but, you know, it was a reality, uh, you know, that we're not all in the same state, all of my siblings, obviously. Um, but there was some, you know, there were, you know, there were a couple of good things that came out of it. Again, I remember my sisters really stepped up in a lot of ways, and my brother, that was very, very appreciative. You know, the other thing is um, we were lucky as a family because, in some ways, because we did not have to, um, you know, mom had some money, and not a ton of money, but she had sat on some stock, and and she had money, you know, set up from my father when he had passed. So we we didn't, um, you know, we didn't have to pay out of pocket for the cost of the nursing and the, and the home care and things of that nature. Very, very lucky. I know a lot of my listeners uh, would know that that in and of itself is an incredible blessing at one level. Now, that can be very, very costly, uh, certainly in home nursing care and, and, the, uh, and these nursing homes were, you know, astronomical. I think we were playing close to even seven grand a month for the nursing homes. For the you know the year or so she was there, and the and the, and the in-home nursing care was running close to twelve thousand or so a month. So a lot of the money that mom was sitting on was was kind of whittled down. But good, I mean that's what it's for. So that was a, a plus. But you know the other thing is yeah, there was a little money left over. So I actually got some inheritance money. You know, and obviously not a ton by any means. And uh, you know I mentioned that ever so casually. It's in stock. So if anybody hears and says, oh, let me try to rob Jim Ventura. Um, one, I'm a 210-pound boxer, so good luck. <laughs> and two, it's not, you know, it's not sitting in my house. Anyway, it's, it's just not accessible in that way. Anyway, that's not a ton of money, but enough that there was a little bit of a blessing that had come from that. It did make things a bit easier. And, um, you know, we were not able to, you know, what mom had passed quickly in August also. So uh, I was in Las Vegas on vacation, and I had a sister in Portland and a brother in L.A., and, you know, they wanted to, my sisters wanted to cremate mom quickly and get this done, so it was really another ordeal to even attempt to get back to North Carolina. So um, we have ultimately decided to do a memorial service for my mom. You know, my, you know the siblings who were not able to go, what we call them the West Coast ones, will do some type of memorial thing at some point around mom's birthday, maybe in April or May, and uh, celebrate mom uh, in that way so we can kind of get some closure. But um, anyway, so, you know, I, at this point, you know, I'm 55 years old. I've lost both of my parents. None of that is going to necessarily be a surprise to a lot of people. But, yeah, you know, none of this, in essence, <laughs> excuse me, none of this, in essence, is easy. 
in any way, um, as I'm sure um, anyone who's gone through this will know. You know, I just don't know whether there's an easy um, an easy way to go. Uh, uh, I'm getting somebody commenting here in my chat room, so let me um, let me uh, let me read this comment because I think it's significant to what we're talking about. Hadasha. 1965, ever since my mom died, almost nine years ago, my family have been shattered, and I'm still picking with pieces. Why did she let this happen to myself and my family? Okay, um, very valid question. You know, I think, um, and I'd like to answer that and address that, and this is really important. Um, you know, everybody grieves in different ways. Um, you know, you can even look at this astrologically. Certainly water signs often have a much harder process of grieving than maybe potentially fire signs or air signs, water signs and, and earth signs. But again, nothing is cut into stone. We all have to have our certain amount of time to go through grieving, you know. And, and the thing is, when you, when you lose a, a parent, um, you know, there's a normal sadness, but there's also um, that part of us that, you know, we, we feel abandoned in a way. Um, you know, none of that is crazy. Uh, you know, uh, listen, we, we can feel that emotion when we lose a, you know, a 15, 16-year-old dog that was part of our family member. You know what I mean? So even with or a cat, even with a parent, that can be really pronounced for us as human beings. So one thing I would say right from the start is, you know, allow yourself to grieve in whatever time it takes you to ultimately do that. But um, there's no right or wrong to it. Um, again, and dependent on the significance of the death and the things that happen, you know, um, people have different responses to all of these things. Again, none of that is wrong. I think the thing to remember, and this is where I kind of talk about, you know, an old soul understanding that I have, is really in the larger picture, guys, remember we signed up for this in the sense that we know there are these very real limitations in this world. Um, we're all going to die at some point. We're, we're going to lose, uh, it's likely we're going to lose our parents. You know, we all have even, sometimes even more extreme tragedies that we can go through. I had a client that had um, three children and and lost two of her own children and was only had one remaining child within a span of five or six years for different reasons. That's, you know, horrible in that sense. Um, you know, to lose two children, losing one child is, a, is an incredibly difficult event, never mind losing two. You know, but she turned it into something. You know, she transformed that pain, and she, uh, she wrote a book about it, of poems, to help other people who had gone through that process. So, listen, in a very, very real way, there is, you know, there's sadness and tragedy that are part of the physical plane. That's what I mean by that. We signed up for it. And um, we know this, you know, at a core level. Listen, anyone who, who follows my column knows that, you know, two, less than two years ago I wrote a column about, you know, having to make that decision to put down my, my 16-year-old cat, which was devastating at the time. And if you read that, you understand how difficult that was for me. That was my best friend. That was, you know, it was, again, I'm not, you know, comparing the loss of a, a parent to a cat or a dog. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to get into that kind of a pecking order. But the weird part is, like, the cat was an everyday part of my life. You know, my mom, when we were kids and was part of my life, but, you know, as an adult, I maybe talked to my mother every two months. And, again, I miss her. 
Um, but the cat was really, in a way, more personalized as a tougher thing. That was my that was my buddy. That was my kid. That was something you know I had to make the decision on. She was not want to go, you know. But her body was falling apart, and I felt that way to some extent even when my mom passed. Um, uh, I felt that way when my my mom passed. That uh, you know, <sighs> my sisters had to carry that ball in that sense. Um, and, and again, very, very grateful that they did. Uh, you know, in, in astrology, the realm of the eighth house corresponds to Scorpio. It corresponds in astrology, corresponds to inheritance, the death, sex, transformation, all these power things that could come up. So there was some stuff that came up in my family, trust me, on that. But really in the larger picture, it was minimal in comparison to what other people go through. So, you know, uh, uh, so uh, I'm going to comment again on on someone who you know has continued to comment in the in the chat room. So uh, Hadash, uh, I might be mispronouncing and decimating your your name. Handle 1965 writes. Um, I mentioned last thing she wrote. She wrote, "Mom's estate was handled improperly and left uh, and left preserved. Um, now I'm trying to manage what remains, wherever." Um, the siblings were brutal. Thanks for input. It was not easy. Yeah, you bring up an excellent point again that I'm kind of talking about, about the realm of the eighth house and, and inheritances and the handling of death and things of the nature. Listen, that rarely is a smooth ride. I've been counseling people for years. I've got to tell you, I've seen some real horror stories at one level about how things were handled, you know, one sibling taking everything you know, total unfairness coming into play. Uh, You know, I mean, thankfully, my dad had set it up where the executor of the will was going to get a smaller percentage, but then everything was handled equally. We're all seven siblings where everything was divvied up equally, and my father set it up so the, the, the settlement didn't have to go through probate. So he was very smart in what he had done and minimalized some of that, but we still had some drama that came into play. So um, uh, Harash, uh, 1965, yeah. You you know, I I hear that all the time about these dynamics that go on. You know, it adds to this other um, element of of pain and sadness and difficulty when you get kind of screwed over by your siblings or, you know, but, you know, I always think that. I've always said this on a lot of different shows. You know, I, I don't know if people ever really fully grow up. And what I mean by that is, like, my siblings are in their 50s and 60s, and um, there's still the same emotional cuckoo land stuff from childhood still exists. You know, I have a sister who's the middle child, and I love her dearly. She's a little middle one of the seven of us, and I use humor to refer to her as Jan Brady. Marsha, 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 how come I never get enough? How come I never get enough acknowledgement? I mean, you know, she, literally, there are patterns <laughs> that come up in families, and it's tough when you um, when you have to go through that on top of it, because then you're trying to handle your grieving and all of these other dynamics that, that, that come into play. So, yeah, again, I just remind everybody, you know, including, you know, the chat room commentary that, you know, um, the key of it is this. You know, at some point um, we can get so caught in that feeling of abandonment or brutality and difficulty that we have to kind of forgive and release. And listen, I'm not talking about some new age forgiveness nonsense where you go skipping hand in hand into the sunset with anybody that abused you or mistreated you. We're not talking about that kind of nonsense at all. I'm talking about 
understanding that for whatever reasons this happened and and you want to release the anger part, um, again, does not mean you're going to be friends or connect with people that were abusive to you at any level. But the reason you free yourself is if we don't do that, then we kind of stuff that energy into organs in the body. Um, you know, uh, if anyone who, again, who follows my column knows I, I wrote at the beginning of, of, of 2019 a column about how I had a round of diverticulitis, which was horrible, by the way. Um, thankfully, through herbs and acupuncture, it's largely healed. And I mean, I went through a process where I had lost 16 pounds in the span of about three weeks. That's how much I couldn't eat and, and you know, it was in pain. I mean, it was a horrible experience. And and aside from the physicality of that, you know, in my 50s, there's a little bit of a reality change that happens. You know, the iron pit stomach where you eat whatever you want anymore. But one of the causes energetically and spiritually behind diverticulitis is issues with the mother. And so there were, I wrote that column purposely really at the time, again, even then I was coming to terms with a lot of old hurts that had been brewing for a long time connected with my mother. And even then I began to forgive her at that point. One, not only because I needed to, but two, because it was going to affect my health. You know, uh, I, I just will not, I'm not going to live in this body that, that's falling apart um, because it is, um, <laughs> I, I know this, I'm telling you guys, like you're literally stuffing these things into organs in that way. So again, no BS forgiveness stuff like, oh, I love everyone and skip up to Sedona holding hands and chanting, you know, that's some nonsense here. We're talking about saying whatever that happened, this was karmic. Maybe I did something like this 17 lifetimes ago when I was an ass, you know what I mean, and this was my karma or, you know what I mean, or and, and, and the thing that's interesting is when we release and we forgive, ultimately, often a solution can come out of it strangely enough, that we may not have seen. So if you got screwed out of money and you can finally release this, sometimes the universe will come up with a way of bringing money to you from another angle. So that's why I, I recommend that. Now, again, not always easy to do. Um, so another comment here um, in, the, in the chat room is, what is the name of your column? I actually just had to put down a family dog last month. That, too, is traumatic for all of us. I would like to read the poem and the book you've mentioned. Um, and, and also that I'm handling the name, okay? <laughs> LOL. You know, I always do the sort of Archie Bunker thing where I kind of massacre names <laughs> almost sarcastically and stupidly. That's kind of one of my cartoon jokes, by the way, that I do. Um, but, yeah, the name of the column is Snake Oil. Um, you can find that. You can probably find some of that info right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I, I've archived columns from back in 2011, um, it's through Gmail. It's called uh, Playing with Uranus at blogspot.com. So you can track it that way. Go to my website also, jimventure.com, and click on the, um, you know, the information about Snake Oil Radio or, or Snake Oil the Column. And it'll also give you access to those past columns so you can go back and read the one about putting you know, my cat down because you mentioned that about putting a dog down. Yeah, talk about ordeal. You know, I always think about that thing about how. Um, sometimes deaths come in threes. You know what I mean? Like there's these patterns that come up sometimes. Uh, I had I had mentioned, I think, in a radio show about a year ago that I lost another mother about two years ago. Um, this was a really good friend of mine when I was a 20-year-old waiter, a 40-year-old woman that was my best friend that I used to, my friend Nikki, 
died of Parkinson's disease two years ago, so a year before my mom passed, and she was like my other mother. And it's so, you know, I lost my cat. I lost Nikki. I lost my mother. You know, it's like, you know, all right, universe, sometimes universe is punching the gonads a few too many times. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I always have to kind of say, I have this sort of theory um, that I think that, again, difficulty is just a reality in this world. We're all going to have to contend with it. And as we get older, we have more of them that kind of stack up. And then you're going to have to kind of decide how you play it. Are you going to um, be the type of person who becomes phobic and angry and hurtful that the universe has hurt you and screwed you over? And that can be easy to do when the situations are bad, boys and girls. You know what I mean? But Or I always humorously call it becoming a badass. Like there's something about going through difficulty that also can strengthen you. You ever notice that, like when you hear a 19-year-old are complaining about her boyfriend's, you know, roommate uh, doesn't use their milk or some other idiotic thing, or he's there all the time and he doesn't pay rent, and you're like, where are you? Where are you lost your mother, your father? You had to put your dog down. You you almost lost your home. Your you know your you found your husband in bed with your best friend. I mean, all that stuff sucks <laughs> when you get hit with all of it. But another level, it does. Um, it does kind of make you a badass in the sense that you sort of become stronger in a way. It's like, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff anymore. I've had enough hard stuff in a way to hopefully learn how to have less hard stuff. So, yeah, a couple of comments here from uh, from uh, 1965. I'm going to shorten it. Um, uh, yes, total unfairness. Whoever will be finalized once I'm able to get my head together, the universe is working it out in due time. Very, very good positive point there. Um, LOL, I'm the knee baby, I digress. I will no longer let anyone use or abuse me any longer. My parents want me to move forward. Um, I lost hair, back, uh, legs, and back aches. I have to work on grounding and releasing the old hurts and stuck energies. Truth, awesome. Very well, well done. Seriously, again, I'm really glad that you're saying that because there is that reality that um, it will affect the organs and energy of our body when we don't resolve things in that way. So, so this is very key. And you're absolutely right. The universe will eventually kind of orchestrate things um, in a way that that does kind of solve if we let it. It's just, again, it's easy to get caught on hurts in that way. Um, you know, when I lost my cat, as an example, I, I was hurt and upset for obvious reasons. But, you know, people kept saying, get another cat, Jim. And I easily could because I'm like freaking Dr. Doolittle with animals. But I didn't. But I have these outside ferals, as I mentioned, that, I pet and I feed and I play with, you know, they, most of them let me pet them and they love me. And I sort of have cats by having outside cats, so I don't have any inside cats. And three months after this nightmare with losing my cat happened, um, I signed a contract with a production company out in L.A. And there is a possibility, it's not definitive yet, guys, I will keep everyone clear on that as this progresses, but um, I may be um, doing a television pilot in the next couple of months. So that's what sprang out of, like, letting go of the anger toward my mother and, and, and you know what I mean, the hurts that I had, letting go of the hurt of losing my cat. Um, now I kind of think that if I have to go to L.A., you know, for uh, a month or two each year to do a TV show, it's probably better that I don't have a cat right now. You know what I mean? So that things kind of have a weird way of working themselves out once we release the anger, which, again, not e always easy to do. Okay. So we're, we're running fast on time here. So I wanted to read something else that I had put in my column about baby souls. 
and my mom was classic baby soul. I, I had often mentioned that. You might have caught that on some of my other uh, radio shows, that there are five soul ages. You know, uh, they're in, in a nutshell, the short version is they're what we call infant souls, baby souls, young souls, mature souls, and old souls. You know, this has nothing to do with chronological age, by the way. Um, as you progress through your lifetimes, you advance through soul ages. You might have seven, eight lifetimes as a baby soul, and then have ten lifetimes as a young soul, and then 15 as a mature soul, and nine as an old soul. You may have a hundred as an old soul. But we move through these progressive stages in our evolution. And when I learned this many years ago, this series of books by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough called Messages from Michael, it was incredibly eye-opening because I recognized fairly early in that my mother and dad were baby souls. My father was late baby, so a little more softer. My mother was classic baby soul. And so let me read something to you about just a little couple of notes I wrote in the column. Because if you, if you get the column, not only is there a column, but I often have added notes. And I wrote a little bit about what baby souls are. Now, if you're questioning your own soul age already, there's a good chance if you're listening to this and you have some metaphysical interest, there's probably a 95% chance you're either mature or older soul, by the way. It's probably not a baby or a young soul. Uh, <laughs> they're just not drawn to this type of stuff. So this is my little explanation of baby souls. And again, I'll reiterate, there are five stages of soul evolution on the physical plane. After at least seven lifetimes as an infant soul and learning lessons about survival, now a little more experience on the physical plane on the earth, more sophistication and less fear are found in the individual. Though the world is still experienced as a scary place, survival has been worked out. Now this is the time to get civilized and to be proud about it a time of demonstrating that you can do it right. Structure helps baby souls to feel more comfortable in this world. They want to be directed and therefore seek out higher authorities who are willing to lay out clear rules for them to follow. As a small example of this, they would rarely defend their children to the school principal but push to make the child act acceptably to the teachers and administration. Sometimes a baby soul will seek out even again and again discipline from a prison system as a way to civilize himself. The soul age will hold traditional religious leaders in self-esteem, turn doctors into gods, and likely feel their country, their army, and certain politicians can do no wrong. Tradition, rituals, and law and order provide a welcome sense of security. That's the rule, and that's what we'll do, is typical thinking for baby souls. They make sure your car is not parked in front of their house, and their lawn is mowed and sprinkled. In a dogmatic black-and-white way, they know right from wrong usually conscientiously good citizens that can be counted on to do the right thing. This is the soul age with the greatest propensity toward holding long-term grudges. The Ku Klux Klan would be an example of a baby soul organization in a negative pole. While many service organizations like Knights of Columbus or the Rotary Club, Rotary Club would be in a more positive pole of expression of baby soul energy. Anti-abortion right-to-life organizations, school prayer promoters, and fire and brimstone preachers all tend to emerge out of baby soul consciousness and concerns. Preferring to be big fish in small ponds, baby souls are often found in small communities. Though the United States is primarily a late, young, early, mature soul country, middle America between the two coasts is packed with baby souls who prefer life when it is simpler. They often emerge as pillars of the community, staunch, upright, and unshakable in their beliefs. They become mayor or sheriff, president of a town council or PTA, because they're interested in organizing and developing the fabric of society with laws, regulations, and lines of authority. They're often found in governmental 
bureaucracies, such as schools, hospitals, regulating agencies, and so on. When their beliefs are opposed, baby souls may become inwardly bewildered. Baby souls are so sure they're right that they have difficulty comprehending opposition. This is not a very self-reflective phase. They're not. In, they're very interested, if not obsessive, about cleanliness, neatness, and keeping germs at bay. <clears throat> not yet able to perceive that chronic feelings or attitudes may cause physical and psychological problems. Their emotional difficulties are, in fact, often somaticized, so that angry feelings become gallstones, or fear turns into kidney, bladder, or back trouble. When dealing with problems like these, baby souls ordinarily prefer conventional medicine, medications, and surgery. Considering alternative therapies or looking for the root of the problem doesn't make sense to the way of approaching the body. With the exception of the new popularity of healing within charismatic churches, the soul ages sold in orthodox medicine. Around sexual matters, there is uneasiness and some degree of shame or guilt. This is not a time for hot tub entertaining, but hiding bodies, making love in the dark, possibly with pajamas and with, without great sexuality. Families, however, feel very good during this period. Raising children may be lots, seeing relatives, celebrating holidays, going on family outings, and participating in church rituals all make a person feel like a solid, upstanding part of the community. Baby souls do sometimes come into prominence. They often don't look for a big stage, not having the resources or experience to handle it, but they may gather fame for their unyielding political or religious beliefs. Jerry Falwell is a prominent religious leader with baby soul beliefs. Oral Roberts and Jimmy Swaggart are two others. Idi Amin, Hitler, Khomeini in the United States, Richard Nixon, Jesse Helms, and some of our more originally conservative governors, congressmen, and senators are examples of baby souls putting out their worldviews on a larger scale. Pat Boone is one of a few baby souls people in the entertainment business. Okay, so, um, you know, I, I read all of that for a lot of different reasons so you guys can hear it primarily because, again, listen to the value that had come into play for me when I read, I learned that when I was like 22. It actually helped put an understanding of my mother. My mother is like staunch to this stuff. Now listen, if you find some of these things apply to you that you, you know what I mean, like I had kidney stones four months ago, don't make me a baby soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of these things are going to apply to us. You might be a mature soul and you might be, you know, uh, somewhat geared toward, toward right to life and you know, uh, not pro-choice in that way, but this is variances. But as a general rule of thumb, what you find with baby souls is, again, that rigidity. That is kind of their thing. That is their purpose. That's what they're doing. You know, young souls, when they, they progress, it's a little bit of a different vibe there. Young soul is like the polished stage of he who dies with the most stories wins. I mentioned that on previous shows, both uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are two examples of young souls. There's not a lot of, like, empathy and warmth there. <laughs> you know what I mean? You certainly don't find that that much with baby souls. My mom could be very empathic toward animals. She loved them. Not so much toward people. You know, my mom was a little bit of a racist, I might add. And that's it. I love her dearly. But she was a character in that way. It took a little bit for me to overcome some of the stuff as an older soul being born to baby soul parents. Anyway, so this is part of what also helped in that process of healing, being mad and angry with my mother for being a baby soul doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? She was, she did the best that she could. And I think that's a thing for all of us to remember. It is natural to feel that abandonment and that hurt when anyone we love leaves us and we have those power struggles that often come up with death. But again, remember guys, we signed on for this stuff. You know, I always, uh, let me tell you a real quick story. Um, 
that I, I've mentioned in other shows, and anyone who's had lost a pet will understand this. There's a story about uh, – they're prompting me to end the show. I'm going to go a few minutes over here. Um, this great story about a, a six-year-old boy who – the parents had to put down their dog because it had cancer. It was sick, and the dog was only eight or nine years old. And in the hospital, the parents are trying to figure out how to explain to this small child about why they had to put the dog down. And they go to the dog, and they go to the kid, and they say, they get ready to explain it to him about why they had to put the dog down. And the little boy says to the mother and father, Mommy, it's okay. Um, Sometimes, you know, dogs and cats don't need to live as long as human beings do. Human beings can take a long time to learn how to love. Dogs and cats do that all the, automatically and all of the time. So, you know, you get that kind of profound old soul wisdom pouring out of a five- or six-year-old in that, that, that level of recognition, which is profound. And I think it's important. Uh, you know, one of the things that I always tell people to think about is rather than the sadness about having to put my cat down or losing my mom or losing my dad, which in some ways was harder too, um, or friends that I've lost. I think about the time I had with them, that I got to have that 10 years. I got to have that 15 years. I got to have that six months, that I got to have that. I got to experience that love. And I'd rather focus on that, knowing sometimes you're going to feel angry or you're going to feel sad, but that's when you shift gears Ask your spirit guides, your angels, to help you focus on the positive and what good came from it in that way and know that you're going to take those things with you to the world when you pass all those wonderful times and experiences that you had and, and knowing that, yeah, loss is going to be part of that game. Okay, so um, I want to uh, – I think we're going to finish there. Our show has come to an end. Thank you for everyone who um, joined in. I'm sorry I was not able to get to callers um, I had a couple of calls here, and I appreciate you guys calling in. I will um, try to do that at some point in future shows. <laughs> but sometimes we, we run long in that way. And thank you for Hada Shah, 1965, and Don, a few other people that were in my uh, room. I very much appreciate your great comments. They're awesome. I love when people are interacting that way, and I could share that. Very smart insights. You own your pain and you recognized your, um, your your path toward healing. So good job. Excellent. <coughs> Coughing like crazy here for some reason. Okay. If you're not already getting my column, email me, adventuresag at yahoo.com. Get any information about past columns, my books, all that other good stuff. Also, by the way, I am I'm launching my YouTube channel in the next month or two. I already have a couple of really great videos on YouTube. Look up Jim Venture on YouTube. I have some very funny <laughs> videos already that you'll get a kick out of, but I am going to do a monthly YouTube channel just because I'm funny. People can't read. You know, it's 19, 2020. People don't read as much, so I'm still doing the column, but, you know, a lot of live speaks about different subjects. So, again, all that's free, and, uh, again, all that good information you can find on uh, jimventura.com. Uh, okay, great. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Hey, good news. There's another show coming on Sunday. I meet with a prosperity group that we talk about creating prosperity financially and in other areas. Um, I meet with them uh, about twice a month. So we're going to do a show where I introduce some of the people in the group, let them tell you their insight, and guys, let you tune in for a little bit. Uh, just a 45-minute show, but um, love to kind of spur everyone along for more prosperity. Always a good thing, and we've been working on that goal for two years and have had some major breakthroughs already, so it's been pretty awesome. So there will be an added show 
uh, this Sunday afternoon, I believe, at 2 o'clock. So, all right, guys, thanks for joining me today. We'll catch up with you next time. And happy, uh, what is it now, February? Okay, happy February. Cheers. <laughs>